Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 428. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. H&M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. Yeah. Still. You are. Woo. If you are just joining us on This Week in Marvel, we're going to talk about all the stuff happening in the House of Ideas, uh, whether it's comics or movies, TV, video games, all kinds of fun stuff, news, things we're excited about, and so much more. So I want to kick it off with New Mutants. It's a movie. It's a coming on April 3rd, uh, 20th Century Fox and Marvel Entertainment. I'm going to pause you right there. What? If we do any sort of premiere, yes. uh, if you don't say it's a coming. <laughs> During the premiere as the host, then we have failed as a team. Uh, That is a promise and a threat. Um, (laughs) It's a new film. It's coming out. It's a horror slash thriller set in an isolated hospital. And it is young mutants that are being held there for psychiatric monitoring. But we know that that's not cool. Because that never goes well for mutants. We just know that. It looks really fun. There's a trailer out that you guys can watch right now. It stars Maisie Williams, who you guys probably remember from Game of Thrones. Anya Taylor-Joy, who is from The Witch and Split, which are both scary movies and she's great in. Uh, Charlie Heaton, Alice Braga, Blue Hunt, and Henry Zaga. And again, that releases on April 3rd of this year. Go watch the trailer. It's super fun. And I love Anya's uh, Russian accent yeah uh no that's not what it's no i the hype that i was i was surprised to see how many people got surprised and excited when the trailer dropped like comic creators coming out and then sort of diving to tell people like go read the new mutants books from the 80s the claremont sinkevich those bits and pieces like if you look at demon bear saga just the psychological weirdness of all that i'm excited for this yeah I'm, i'm hyped i'm hopeful you know, we're talking about that movie, but Disney Plus is coming out strong in 2020. We're going to see Marvel's Runaways Season 3 being added to Disney Plus this month. Then later this year, we've got Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming this fall. And it was recently uh, announced that Marvel Studios WandaVision is coming in 2020. I was very thrilled because you know that meme on Twitter where it's like a big 2020 and then there's like a sentence of language in the middle. The way that I found out, Ryan, go check the internet when you're not with your baby people all the time. Um, but I, it, I was very tickled because Disney Plus posted that big 2020 in the sentence in the middle just said WandaVision. And I was like, yes. Fire. Everything we know about that show is so exciting. Even just the, I think right now the only thing that is out in the real world is that little piece of teaser art. And it is mwah, chef's kiss. For sure. Uh, on a somber note, we do want to remember Jerry Alanguilan. He was a Filipino artist and inker for Marvel. He passed away late in December. And, you know, I saw C.B. Sabolsky, I saw Ricky Purden, I saw a lot of his fellow creators and collaborators sharing remembrances. Um, he actually began working and making his own comics in the Philippines. He was one of the people who was considered to have made comics popular again in the country. You know, he worked very closely with artists like Lineal Francis Yu and many others. Um, He started working at Marvel in 1998 on Wolverine number 121, where he inked over uh, Lineal Francis Yu on a Warren Ellis script. That, I think it's four issues. That run of Wolverine is so good. Yeah, it's It's really, really intense. Uh, And then, you know, Jerry had a ton of work for us working on X-Force in 2000. And then, you know, with Lanil, just one of those great penciler inker teams. You see them, you know, a, a lot of times last year we were talking about how I love Chick Stone's inks over mm-hmm. Jack Kirby's pencils. Or you see, you know, um, Alan Davis and Paul Neary. You 
see a ton of great artists have someone that they make each other better. And I think that's what Jerry and Laniel did, you know, whether it's Ultimate Avengers, the Ultimate Avengers versus New Ultimates, Indestructible Hulk, John Hickman's uh, Avengers run. Yeah. There was some really great stuff there. Uh, Star Wars with, uh, you know, Laniel and Jason Aaron. This is a wild list. I know. Captain America that he worked on recently. Mm. Uh, that was the ta Coates run. And the first issue of the current X-Men run that Laniel's been penciling. Yeah, it's, you know, it's always... Um, sad to see someone yeah. go and he was he was young yeah. you know the, the the role an anchor has is super important they had depth they had weight a great anchor can really highlight uh, a great penciler they can or they can also <laughs> pick up a decent penciler and make the art even stronger mm-hmm. um and so yeah marvel uh we mourn the loss of jerry allen Gulen. couldn't have said it better myself ryan but we have more yet to talk about. We're going to take it far afield with uh, Taryn Killam, formerly of SNL. Uh, you might know him from the show Single Parents, a very funny gentleman who happens to be married to Kobe Smulders, who plays Maria Hill in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he is indeed Marvel family. And he is going to be joining us as the writer of Spider-Verse number four coming out in January the 29th. That's really soon. It looks like such a fun story. It's going to have awesome art by Juan Gideon. There are some pages up on Marvel.com. It's a special Western style adventure. It is The Lone Stranger. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Sheriff Stacy is down for the count. And the sinister sextet <laughs> is threatening the peace of the town. This looks like a job for the friendly neighborhood web slinger. <laughs> Spidey has a sort of web-styled red handkerchief that he's tied around his face to protect his identity yeah. and to look like a sassy boy that keeps dust out of his mouth. Yeah. Western stories for us are so cool. And Taryn, huge Marvel fan, like wild Marvel fan. We've had Taryn on Marvel Live at, at New Comic Con several times. So there was a 2013 interview, which was great. He was doing voices for a program that he was working on. And then we had him again the next year where he is basically describing and doing the voices for the pilot of the 90s X-Men animated series. And it is so good. I like playing solitaire, unless I got someone to play with. <laughs> and then um, uh, Rogue and Storm are shopping for dresses or something. She's like, I don't know about this one, Storm. It doesn't fit me. Like, agreed. We must try to find it in our size. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Psych- What really tickles me is I believe it was after this very interview that him and I took a picture together, which I sent to my mom and my mom said what a nice looking boy are you dating him <laughs> and I said mom that's nice but he's married and famous and she was like oh that's too bad you guys would make a nice couple <laughs> so my mom is shipping us oh that's so sweet uh, alright that is a comic that's coming out real soon so one of the things that I wanted to point out here is that every week we release 12 to 25 comics and Every comic nowadays has a variant cover. It's a cover that is not available as like a standard. It's something that may be a little bit rarer or is an alternative to the main cover. We do a lot of them. Some of them have upwards of 20 covers. Some of them have just one. And I thought 
it would be really neat to show off these covers to people who have never going to see them otherwise. Because some of them are really rare. Some uh, of them are exclusive to certain shops or yep. places or conventions or whatever. Yeah. And so I just pick my personal favorites and I'm starting to post them up every week on Tuesday, the same day a new episode of Marvel's Pull List arrives. I put that up on my Instagram and my Twitter. Both of them are at Agent M. They're beautiful pieces of art that I want people to try and go get their hands on. Um, also, what are the top books for this week's episode of Marvel's Pull List, Ryan? Ooh, Deadpool number two, Marvel's X number one, Star number one, and X-Force number five. You can subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts. And that includes all the places, Pandora, Spotify. And uh, yeah, please listen. Also, a shout out to Star number one getting its own title. Very cool a character pulled from the pages of Captain Marvel. Um, that book is great. Kelly Thompson writing it and Star is such a jerk. Such She's a jerk. The worst. But an interesting character to like pull 100%. a title over to. So that's you don't see it very often where an original character like immediately goes into their own storyline. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, if you're just joining us now in 2020, 2020. We, yeah, every week we have a, just a, a chat where we talk about some fun stuff. And this year we're going to talk about the Marvel multiverse on each episode of TWIM in one way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's going to be bigger, sometimes it's going to be smaller. But each week, we're going to look across the Marvel multiverse or the Omniverse, as uh, it is called in a lot of places, and we'll share some cool stories, some of our thoughts about them. The amazing team at Marvel Comics, though, uh, I, I want to give another shout-out. It is the research team, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe team, the collections team, sort of a bunch of different groups uh, that have this massive compendium of Marvel Universes, each of which is designated with a number. So the idea of multiple realities was introduced in the real world. We're not talking about the Marvel Universe. Like, in reality, it was an actual theory put forth by Schrodinger, as in Erwin Schrodinger, or Schrodinger's cat, that guy. You guys probably know who that is, maybe a little bit, or at least you'll go Google that later. He went on to say there could be multiple realities all kind of piled in on each other. But I think in large part because of the Marvel Universe, it's been brought into the mainstream and pop culture in a very big, different way. But I always think it's really interesting in the Marvel Universe how kind of science theory can become science reality in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Also... Don't you just want alternate realities to be real? Like the thought of, you know, kitty cat me, kitty li- ki- in just, the kitty verse. Yes, hundred percent that. But also know. the the alternate reality where you didn't join Marvel full time. The alternate reality where I stayed at Wizard Magazine instead of and became an actual wizard. Yeah, and like I grew the beard out and everything. And now you're Ryan the Gray. You know, like. <laughs> Who knows what those realities are like? Those are super (laughs) fun. And I think about that stuff probably far too much. I think it's really cool, which is why we're talking about this so much this year. And so I mentioned the numbering, right? Marvel Universe, the main Marvel Universe, the main comics universe is designated with a number 616. The whole system first began in the pages of Captain Britain in the early 80s by writer David Thorpe. Before I get into explaining that a little bit, for the longest time, I've hated this. I've hated <laughs> the numbering designation for Marvel Universe. And I say this because I think it's such a... Um, logistic nightmare? It's not even that it's a logistic nightmare. It feels like it might be off-putting to someone who is just getting oh. into comics and stories. Like, I want everybody to read comics and enjoy comics. But then when they hear, hey, this is Earth 616, and this is Earth 1610, and this is Earth you know, 19999, and it's daunting. And it's yeah. like, I don't... 
you know, I don't want to stop someone from enjoying comics because there's just this this heavy cloud above them. But I have since sort of embraced it. Like, well, this is what it is. It is. I understand it as actually a very helpful way of understanding the the scope of the omniverse and cataloging things, especially when, you know, you and I and, and our producers, we start looking at this long list and seeing all these different universes and how they're numbered and, and all this other stuff. I think it's really cool. But I think that's also a great point. We're going to say a bunch of numbers, but don't be scared of the numbers because we're going to make sense of them and you'll never have to remember them again. Yeah. And the numbers almost never come up. Like, yeah, they're, they're just a, a note. Yeah, they come. We're putting them forth here because it's something that we have a there's a backbone to all of our structure. And I'll mention them throughout the year and then, you know, we'll talk about them. But all you got to know is like, hey, this universe has is really cool. This alternate universe is neat. So, again, all these numbers, they are what they are. But let's go back to the beginning. So this writer, David Thorpe, he was working on the Captain Britain comics for Marvel UK in the early 80s. These were created separate from the Marvel comics created in New York City, but they were cool. He was working alongside artist Alan Davis, and uh, this was shortly before Alan Moore came on to Captain Britain and started doing those stories. There's a great collection of Captain Britain stories by Alan Moore, which gets really weird and dark and cool. On brand. Yeah. But before Moore comes on, Thorpe comes up with a bunch of ideas that would really be used by Alan Moore, be used by a ton of other creators, and the multiverse numbering system was one of them. So there are a lot of stories about how this system for numbering universes came to be. One story that I found comes from an interview with Thorpe himself, where he explained that Earth-616 was meant to be the worst of all the universes. The 616 Earth was holding back all the others from achieving this great next step in evolutionary development, and they were just this, like, nasty, bad reality. And according to Thorpe, he numbered it 616 because... 666 is the number of the beast, like this evil number. And then he just took off 50. Like literally he was just like 666. Let's not use that exactly. Uh, I like a round number. Take off 50. He says, quote, a nice round number. All right. So in the same interview, he also said the school in the world's coldest town in Siberia closes when the temperature reaches negative 61.6 degrees Fahrenheit. It's an extreme tipping point. End quote. I love that. I love like a mix of like just off the cuff randomness and weird rationale. But also I feel attacked because <laughs> 616 is the main Marvel universe. Sure. That's my house. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't feel too attacked because it's also partially because of the character Saturnine. So mm. Saturnine is this woman. She's this incredibly powerful, omniversal woman. She comes from Earth 9, I believe. And she is a creation of David Thorpe and Alan Davis. And she oversees the protection of all reality. So so it's Saturnine's judgment. Yeah. And she also oversees the Captain Britain Corps, which if you think of them as kind of like an omniversal group of cops, they try to police and help and sort of oversee things. And there's a Captain Britain in every reality. That, I think, the Captain Britain Corps, I think, comes in more into Alan Moore's run. So it wasn't actually Thorpe who displayed the numbering in his run. He came up with the concept, and I, I think he was on the book for however long period of time, and then Alan Moore came on. He actually used 
the 616 numbering in the books for the first time. He noted uh, that the, our Captain Britain of the time, Brian Braddock, was from 616, and he mentioned in one of his stories early on there was an Earth 238 that they were dealing with the situation in. But that is like the beginnings of it. From there, you know, it just sort of bleeds into the rest of Marvel creative. Chris Claremont adopted a, a lot of the characters and universe numbering beats into his Excalibur run with Alan Davis. He was honestly just a fan of those stories and liked that concept, so he started to glom onto it. Uh, Saturnine shows up in Excalibur. Captain Britain is a main character in Excalibur. There's a really great story called The Cross Time Caper, which involves time travel and alternate realities and really great stuff. That is from the Excalibur run with Chris. And this is all through the 1980s, right? Yeah, this is through the 80s. Claremont is doing Excalibur. And also in the 80s, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe starts coming out. And that is a a really important place for the numeric designations. Because, again, there's not like every comic comes out. It's like, Earth, 616. It's really a way for Marvel to then start cataloging, doing stuff. So the official handbook of the Marvel Universe series of books utilize the numbering in their character profiles and the database that we are looking at that you know we're using to find all these numbers grew out of the appendices of the handbooks or the profiles of the handbooks. There's a team here at Marvel that catalogs and organizes all the universes and it is fascinating. So Ryan, you know, you say Earth 616 or Earth 238 or Earth whatever. What does a sort of parallel universe encompass? All the all the all the things. Right. So, but it's a full universe, right? Yes, it is a full universe. It's uh, a full Earth, but yep. it's also a full universe. Yeah, yeah. So the Earth part of it is partial, like just explanation designate, but it does encompass everything within that reality. Um, whether it's you know the various planets or the alien races, um, it's just simply Earth six one six is important because that is the anchor point for the people who are designating these things. So Saturnine, Merlin, Captain Britain Corps, it's all tied to Earth. I'm sure, you know, if if there was a Shi'ar mindset about things, they would look at it as like Chandelar 616. Chandelar is the home planet for the Shi'ar race, and they would have similar designations, but they're like, Earth, ugh, the place is gross. But in this catalog, there are thousands. You know, the, the numbering goes crazy high like into the 90 some odd thousands so what we have is just what has been designated and cataloged which leaves room for thousands and thousands more and infinitely more this is really fun though it allows us to tell any kind of story we want my favorite series of all time is probably the what if series which is all based Mm, on alternate realities and in within those series, issue number 34 of both What If Runs is a joke issue. It is all comedy. Really silly. Like the cover of the 90s version has Uatu the Watcher standing over uh, a great, the great with his skirt blowing up like Marilyn Monroe. But in those issues, there are probably like 30 different stories. And each of those is in itself its own reality. And so it allows Marvel to tell any story we want. You can have your cat reality where, you know... I'm a British kitty in the city. Yeah, British kitty in the city's reality goes off on, on its own. Or, you know, there's all these different stories. It allows us to tell something that's like, you know, what if Wolverine didn't die 
a couple of years ago, that could be its own reality. It allows us to tell any story we want. Or like, what if Peter Parker died and stayed dead and then we had a new Spider-Man named Miles Morales? Yeah, 100%. And the realities are not just for comics, which is a really important thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's designations for pretty much anything that we've done at Marvel. So... Uh, how about movies? Let's see. You want to talk about the 2010 Planet Hulk animated film? That's Earth 10022. The X Men movies? Earth 10005. The Blade movies? Earth 26320. The Raimi Spidey movies? Earth 96283. The MCU, of course, is Earth 199999. Also, I found the designation for Earth. That we live on, all of us humans together, it's 1218. Oh. Also, not just movies, it's TV shows and games. The Lego Marvel Superheroes game from 2013 is Earth 13122. The Maximum Carnage game from the 90s has its own, which is 33734. The Incredible Hulk TV show from the 70s and even into its uh, specials in the 80s is Earth 400005. So hundreds of thousands of Earths, potentially. Millions. Billions infinite i saw this list of them and i went oh no (laughs) because my eyeballs got sucked into my belly and out my butt (laughs) oh boy uh do you have any particular favorites that you can think of because i have some like i said the what if stories for me were really great in the 90s earth 90816 is what if number 16 from 1990 which is one of my favorite comics of all time wolverine it's like i think it's called like what if wolverine battled conan Mm. but wolverine it's at the trial of the Phoenix. Uh, Wolverine basically like he trips and falls into some of the Watchers, you know, technology gets transported into the Hyborian age and ends up going to Conan's time. He like starts to like get it on with Red Sonia. He kills a bunch of bad guys. He fights with Conan. Conan gets thrust into the current time and Conan screws everything up. It's just a, it's a whole nightmare, but it's really cool. There's a bunch of great Conan what ifs. Also from the 90s, there's a what if number 44 from 1992, which is what if Venom possessed the Punisher, which is really neat. Gave us a great visual of Venom Punisher um, and tons more. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a little basic, but I think the Ultimate Comics universe was a place where so many amazing stories got to be told because it wasn't in main continuity. And I feel just stoked about the general existence of that. I believe that is 1610. Yep. I feel like my opinion of the multiverse or my my thought about the multiverse is so affected by Spider-Verse where different spider people from all the different multiverses had to come together to take down their biggest threat yet. But because we got to really look at so many dimensions together at the same time, that really kind of just like forever imprinted the multiverse in my brain. Yeah. You know, the idea of the Spider-Verse that Dan Slott and Nick Lowe and then like those creators started putting together in the comics of there being this thing called Loom World, which is where the... Yeah, like of, the crux of the universe sort yeah, of. Yeah, it's either Earth 1 or Earth 0 and that there's all these universes with all these spider totem characters as important to that story is really neat. And, you know, you see that then sort of taken to some extent into Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film... I love that they had this idea for Spider-Verse and that they brought in other versions that were already established and bringing them in, like taking Japanese Spider-Man and bringing him oh, into yeah. the stories or taking Spider-Man India into the stories or taking, you know, the various different, um, you know, 
We wouldn't have Spider-Gwen if we didn't have Spider-Verse. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, one last one to point out, Exiles. Some point this year, we'll have to do a chat about Exiles because it's one of my favorite comic series of all time. Break your heart. What a bunch of multiverses, Ryan. Yeah, and so many more to come. Um, Well, we have even more yet today because this week we are hanging out with comedian, writer, actor, and host of Cool Playlist Pod, Eliza Skinner. I love her. I'm such a big fan of her as a comedian. We used to both do improv in the scene here in New York City, and she is wildly talented. Um, Also, as a musician, she can sing, Mm -hmm. like, well. Way back in our last building, this would have been 2007 or 8, we had thought about doing these motion comics where we took the comics, we animated them, we did voices, music, all this stuff. We did it for Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy was like the first one. And Eliza was one of the voices for the original time we did it. I think she was she voiced Kitty Pride, And so she has great cool connections. She's just a huge fan. Her podcast is dope. She basically works with her guests to create a cool playlist for a specific life event or a moment or an occasion or a vibe or whatever it is for each episode. Hi, Eliza. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Good. How are you, Lorraine? <laughs> I'm, I'm also very great. Yeah. Terrific. Very great. It's exciting. It's a Friday. We've been talking about ice cream. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. Uh, but you are, you're joining us here on This Week of Marvel. I always like to start off when we, we ch- chat with people. Like, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected to our characters and stories? You know, some people, it's comics, it's cartoons, it's movies, it's clothing, it's a, a relative. What was it for you? Well, the very first was uh, comics. Um, it was from like sorting through old boxes like while we were hanging out with my friend's older brother at a comic book store. I saw um, Uncanny X-Men 179, I believe, which is uh, Kitty Pride marrying Caliban yeah. on the cover. And I was like, what is this? Oh, no, this is startling. And it, uh, I think really tapped into some very early like uh, fear of commitment. <laughs> um, and so I, I was like fascinated and I bought it. I think it was like probably like a quarter or something. And then I didn't really... Didn't get super into it until later, though, when I started collecting action figures. Yes. I am I'm like one of the, I don't know, three people in the world who went action figures to comics. That's amazing, It's though. very weird. Did you, and you were from UCB, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know Jesse Falcon? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Jesse, one of my dearest friends, Lorraine. We, lo- we all love Jesse. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you know sweetie. him, you love him. Yeah, yeah, but he is like the godfather of Marvel action figures at this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. strangely, the voice of most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, there are some UCB people who have been the faces of some of them. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know more about those stories. (laughs) Um, You know, when you got to make a whole bunch. Um, But yeah, uh, when I met Jesse, I think we were both very excited to find someone who gave a uh, crap about this stuff that not everybody does. Sure. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I used to drive around and like, uh, I had a group of friends that we would go to different stores. Like, we would know the days that they got shipments of action figures. We would know what the short stacks oh, in the like box that. were. Yeah. Well, because cool. I think it went in, because I just, I got fascinated with um, one of the early uh, Storm action figures because it would like light up and just hang out at a toy store and was like, oh, I want this. And then was like, who is this? <laughs> what is this about? And met some other action figure people. And yeah, we were real nerds. Nerds with somebody had a car. 
and we'd drive around and find more of them. It's so awesome. these were the teen years? Yes. Yeah. The t- riding in cars with action figures. Yeah. The, the yeah. Teen years. Other kids were, you know, making out and being cool. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I was looking for, uh, for Yodas and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. Our big secret place was um, <laughs> like CVSs and Rite Aids and stuff because no one really sure. shops there mm-hmm. for toys. So they just sort of get whatever they get. Yeah. And we're like, ha, we'll, we'll pounce. Um, it's real nerdy stuff. Which is wild <laughs> now because we have a bunch of, we do exclusives with Walgreens. Mm-hmm, that's and, true. And like only place you can get certain figures is now Walgreens. Yeah. So it's, it's full circle. Well, I guess uh, it's, I don't know. I think everything now is, I, I attribute to the internet where like you can actually get messages like that out to whoever should be getting it. You can just like, hey guys, you want some toys? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be at Walgreens. Great. We can find it. You didn't have to just hear from some weird guy at another toy store. <laughs> that's how I did it. But you do so many interesting things in the world. I've watched your comedy career for a very long time, and not in a creepy way, just like in a, it's a little creepy, but like friendly creepy. Um, No, but but I've seen you perform for so many years, uh, UCB in LA. You've done so, just like so many things. I feel like I see you with every comedian ever uh, on every show doing every different thing. But let's talk about your live show. What is your personal live show like? Um, Well, I, it's a mix of uh, stand-up and musical improv. So I started out, as you know, doing a lot of musical improv. That was my main focus for years. And then I kind of moved away from it because, um, I think especially as a woman, I got a lot of crap about, like, oh, people just like your shows because there's music. It's not because oh. you're funny. And so I was like, well, I have to prove that I'm funny then. I'll take the music out and show that I can write jokes and characters. And so I focused on that for a long time and then was like, oh, I kind of miss that music stuff. So now I've kind of pushed them both back in together. So my show is like stand-up and then songs based on um, crowd work. You're also an amazing singer. I'll just oh, say it you. for you because they, if they can't tell from your beautiful melodious <laughs> speaking voice, you are, are like an incredible crazy singer. Oh, thank you. And you're from a very musical family too, right? Yeah, my sister is a, a musical theater actress. She was just in the Cher show. Um, she was playing Cher's mother and Lucille Ball. So, yeah, she's been Tony nominated before. Um, My parents are regular people. So it's really just the (laughs) two of us that something was in the water, I guess, when we were growing up. Good musical offspring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We should. Jane, one of our other co-hosts, he's 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 a Tony Award winner. He's one Mm. of, you know, he's no big deal. He should bring her (laughs) around with him. He's in this show I've never heard of called Hamilton. Hamilton. Mm. Hamilton. 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 Yeah, that's I know that's the right way. They should uh, they should give him like key rings or something they can like carry all the time They'll just like throw the, the keys on the desk and oh that, was that a Tony? You have a Tony key ring? Oh yeah. Oh they put it in the box when you get one. <laughs> no <laughs> big, big deal. deal. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, the best. Yeah. Uh, you host a really cool podcast called Cool Playlist which I, I want to get into it. I have some very specific thoughts that we're going to get to. But uh, can you tell the Marvel fans what that's about? Sure, yeah. It's uh, me and a guest making a playlist for a specific life event, moment, or occasion every episode. So uh, sometimes it's something really relatable, like uh, walking around after a breakup or uh, wake up and get out of bed. Uh, Sometimes it's a little more obscure and strange, like I'm alone in a space station or um, a goth wedding or uh, (laughs) this one's kind of both a first day in a cool new jacket. Um, So, yeah. And and I get that, though. Yeah, that's a feeling. And you kind of know the songs almost with a lot of them. Like when you hear the theme, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that would be. Yeah. okay, ACDC probably. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really fun, and it's fun for me to find out what songs have influenced the people that I'm interviewing and um, kind of built their brains and musical past. Uh, So 
We have some mini playlists. Ryan and I felt like we should have some. We want to participate. Okay. Um, and because we're taping right now at five something on a Friday, I wanted to do a hard work in week. Okay. Playlist. And I just want judgment. Okay. <laughs> oh, so I want to know if I'm doing whole, it right. You've made the whole playlist so and we're just we're responding? We're going to do three things. Okay. So, yeah. uh, a, a mini playlist, four songs Lorraine put together. I have a mini playlist, four songs I put together. <laughs> Wonderful. And then we have one that you gave us a couple songs for, I believe. Oh. Or, uh, well, or, I have or, a couple songs. You have a couple songs. We, we don't know what they are yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but we put together uh, some ideas Great. for that one. And that's based around a Marvel character. Okay. Um, I did put your songs on a playlist if I could figure out how to work phone. Not that we can use the audio on the air, but just right. to get us in the mood sure, sure, of sure. what those songs are. But everyone should go find those these songs uh, later you, and uh, you can Google them. Yeah, and go listen to them. Never say that again. <laughs> Google it. That sounds terrible. Giggle it. What are you doing? So, um, it's a mood. Mm-hmm. It's a we're going for a full a full work week. Okay, here we go. First song is Monday Monday by the Mamas and the Papas. Ah, yes, perfect. It's a great choice to put you in a more upbeat mood on Monday, which can often be a real downer. Yeah. So something like that that's like, oh, the sun's coming up. This could be a good week. Um, I just like, uh, it came with no warning <laughs> <laughs> of what was to be. I just feel like that is my Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So that's Monday Monday by the Mamas and the Papas. Mm-hmm. Oh, both mm-hmm. of them. Both yeah. of them. Both right. were available for all, that. All four, in fact, probably. <laughs> uh, and then... Up next, we've got 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. That song has been featured on a number of playlists on my show. I try not to use the same songs over and over, but guests will be like, I really want to play this one. <laughs> so I think we had that on, like, uh, Toppling the Patriarchy and um, one that was like, these people in this office think they can f*** with me, but they can't. <laughs> um and what I think is really cool about that, that was her first role, um, uh, Dolly Parton's right. first role was in 9 to 5, and she didn't know how to do Hollywood at all, but she knew to put in her contract that she would only do it if she was allowed to do a theme song for it. So that she wrote this amazing theme song that she wrote in a hotel room using her um, acrylic nails as that little um, sound, as the uh, typewriter sound in that. So she wrote it with that, just to that beat. It's cool. She's a cool lady. So not only... Uh, is it a song about business? But she did business. Yeah, with that she song. is a business lady, not and a business lady. <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is um this is like after we get through Wednesday and we're just like trying to get we're trying to get it through. So mm-hmm. next up, she works hard for the money by Donna Summer. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. Also, uh, I love Donna Summer. I feel like she she's a guilty pleasure for some people, but she's amazing. I, I also feel like that song makes me feel like I'm taking off pumps and putting mm-hmm. on sneakers and I'm like mm-hmm. walking through oh, the yeah. city like, all uh-huh, right, you got to get to the Staten Island Ferry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a real working girl moment. Yeah. yeah Shoulder yeah. pads flying in mm-hmm, the air. Mm-hmm. New Jerusalem. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is um, when we finally get to, to right now. Okay. This is Hey, Mr. DJ by Zane. Okay. Um, mostly I just wanted to capture the um, it's Friday and the weekend's here. Yeah, that feels like you've earned a weekend at that at the point of that song. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Made me feel right. That's good. Did I do okay? Yeah, you did great. (sighs) Good. (laughs) I was surprised there was no Lizzo because earlier today you were like, "It's gonna be all Lizzo," and you almost stabbed me. (laughs) I yeah. Well, normally I just listen to only Lizzo. Sure. Yeah. You're an American, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then I had for a while a juice theme playlist. Sure. That was just. 
things about juice, but then that seemed very limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you broadened it to truth also. And uh, <laughs> what was that? She had a great song like a few years ago that like I can't find my phone. Oh, that? it's literally where like at? where where the where my phone? Yeah. my phone. Yes. And it's literally just her trying to leave a club with but a she phone. She can't find her phone. <laughs> it's very stressful. Yeah, she's great. Um, okay, so mine is uh, I'm going for a run and hoping to see some bunnies playlist. Oh, specifically rabbits. Yes, because okay. where I run uh, up, I live in northern Manhattan, and there's a path and there are bunnies. Oh. And so if I get there early enough, I can see them. Every once in a while, I'll see them like running after each other or they're, they're hanging out. So that's the goal when I go for a run is to see them bunnies. Well, that's a real treat. So um, I just <laughs> look to my... Them bunnies. Them bunnies. Where uh, them bunnies? I've at? seen a deer up there <laughs> once, but I got to see them buns. Mm-hmm. Um, oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I want so, you to write a song about it. Yep. Uh, so I, I pulled four songs from my running playlist. Okay. The first is "Hardly" by Shy Halud. So you got the the feel of where we're at. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a it's a real bunny hunting song. Yeah. <laughs> no hunting. Well, I, just, I don't. I just mean visually. Sure. Like like oh, yeah, bird yeah. watching, bunny hu- bu- bunny watching. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. The yeah. best part. It's a serene morning, as yeah. you've described. There's dew. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, the band named after the worms from Dune. Uh, so the the main guy in the band is uh, Matt Fox, a friend of mine. But the the guy who sings on that, mm-hmm. he was 17 years old. Uh, Chad, Chad Gilbert, 17 years old when he did that. Does not sound like a 17-year-old. And then he went on to found Newfound Glory. And now he's a huge star. So the band is called Sandworms? The band is called Shai Halud. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Wow, deep, not Paul Atreides. Okay. (laughs) And and the lyrics are all like a a sad love song. It's her name, a single word, melts me, takes me to the ground. And that's how the bunnies make uh, me feel. Yeah, like that is a bunny melt. feeling. <laughs> I love bunnies. But it also has a Watership Down sort of furor to sure. it. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, next is uh, Stand By by Earth Crisis. <laughs> this is, Lorraine, uh, for your edification, It's they are a hardline, straight-edge vegan band. Very uh, angry about vegans. Very angry. Yeah. Uh, the choice lyrics I pulled for this were, Your selfishness destroys the earth, so you've left us with no other choice for the fetus, for the cat, for the cow, for the rat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I could have chosen Firestorm, but um, didn't. Yeah, yeah that, that feels like, I mean, in this political climate, I don't know yeah. <laughs> how, how, how I can feel about Firestorm anymore. Yeah. But, but street by street, block by block, we are taking it all back. Love it. Mm-hmm. Wow, you guys, I am in the middle of something this right now. This makes me so happy. <laughs> to be honest, right now, this is the Agritsuko playlist for me, because sure. it's like a cute theme with horrifying screaming that yeah. I'm into. Two more here. They're not... Nearly, not not as aggro. Next one up is Simple Song by Avail. Oh, come on. They are playing their first show. They have played their first shows in like 12 yeah. years. I was at Comic-Con when they were doing their Same. first shows in Richmond. So Ron, who I share an office with, like Avail is our favorite band. <laughs> and uh, we were like, can we skip Comic-Con? Like, and I, I had to host hours of Comic-Con this year. I was like, mm-hmm. I almost did it. I almost like skipped to go to Richmond to see them. But... Yeah, I thought about it. I was on a podcast, uh, or I was on a panel at Comic-Con with Jonah Ray, and both of us were like, Jonah Ray Rodriguez, who is also like a fan, and we were both like, oh my God, we should be in Richmond. I'm from Richmond. I grew up listening to Avail. My favorite Avail album is uh, Satiate, which I can't find anywhere online, which... So I think you, you just got to have the vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're great. I, uh, I, 
uh, they're just really great guys. Yeah. Um, it was part of why I, how I got into comedy was um, they, I, when I was in London, I was very lonely <laughs> I was, uh, when I was in college. And they came through on tour, and I my move with hardcore bands used to be, or any like punk bands used to be, showing up with a lunchbox full of vegan cookies and being like, you guys are on tour, probably want some cookies. And they would always be like, yeah, that's great, want some T-shirts? And they'd be like, score. Um, <laughs> and so I did that for Avail, and they were really nice to me about it and talked to me a whole bunch. And then they went on their tour of Europe, and on the way back through, they stopped in London again and were like, hey, come to the show. And I was like, okay, cool. And at one point in the show, somebody broke a string, and Tim Barry was like, wasting time on stage and was like oh um well here's a funny thing our, our friend eliza said earlier and i was like oh, i am being quoted as funny <laughs> by a veil uh, and it was one of the first things that i was like maybe i'm for real funny maybe i could like maybe i should keep going with this funny thing instead of just trying to be a graphic designer that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah it's bananas yeah. that's yeah. so cool yeah they sent me like a uh, tim sent me like a postcard or two when they were on the tour just like nice fellas yeah yeah. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them a million times. I'm so happy. Like, I, when they first announced it, like, the day after, I went for a run, the same path, and I started to cry, like, listening to them. Because <laughs> I'd never – it's like a band you have such emotional ties to, never expect to see them again. Yeah. It made me so happy. I have an Avail shirt that I try to wear in L.A., and people are like, so you're available? I'm like, no, it's Aww. a band. No, why would I wear a shirt <laughs> saying that? <sighs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, th- this all makes me very happy. This is what I spent most of my day doing. <laughs> Last one is Speakers Push the Air by Pretty Girls Make Grapes. So this is like you've seen a bunny at this point for sure, right? Yeah. yeah. That <laughs> this is like a celebratory, yep. I did it, that's there were it. bunnies for sure. Yeah, because yeah. that, that song I, I is all that. about the like your love for music and going to shows and everything and like mm-hmm. that feeling of joy and mm-hmm. it's all happening. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the simplicity and purity of... A bunny in the morning yep. or uh, getting into a hardcore show. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Precis- the same thing for yeah. me. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you got to be a part of this. <laughs> no, no, it's actually funny because I'm like, there's some high school part of me listening to you guys and I'm like, I also like punk bands at like high school <laughs> and like I want to also be part of your cool conversation, but I'm from California, so all my bands are like... It's OC stuff? Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's all like... Ska? Pop punk and well, not quite ska, but like pop punk and it's like I'm like I like propaganda. Does anybody care? Who loves, everybody loves propaganda. Right? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's cool. I'm well, just reliving my high school years. And to be fair, this like almost never happens. That's part of why it's exciting to get to talk about it because it, it, it's oh, yeah. it's such a small, specific niche kind of '90s scene. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. Yeah, the avail yeah. thing. I had no idea about. It. It's just because I absolutely love the band. That was yeah. 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 Guys, that's just kismet. That's so yeah. nice. That's the best. So the idea then yeah. we had was, okay, we've done it for ourselves. What if we take a character and put together a, like a short little playlist for one of our characters? Uh, and we asked you who your favorite character is. Mm-hmm. You said Dazzler, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, not a hard, uh, I mean, it fits very well for uh, making a playlist. Uh, I love Dazzler. Um, I, I think that she's... You know, the whole background of her being created to, like, release an album also I think is really fun. But also I just love that she had this superpower and she would fight with the X-Men, whatever, um, and then go home later and you'd see a panel of her, like, looking out the window at the Queensboro Bridge with, like, her hair in a towel being like, hmm, but I just wish I could get a recording contract. <laughs> it's like, you're a superhero. You have something amazing that other people can't do. And I feel like that's such a great metaphor for so many creative people and just people in general. Like... You got something you're you're great at, and I think very often we don't notice what that thing is because it's so easy for us. Um, 
But yeah, so I love Dazzler. Yeah. And I also like, the, especially the old original stuff. It's so anachronistic at this point. Um, all the disco suits and roller skate. I mean, she's wearing quad skates. It yeah, was I anachronistic it. at the time. Yeah, she, yeah. 1980. Used, like, yeah. yeah, so they were like, yeah. disco this was is hot, over. right? A bunch of yeah. middle-aged she got a guys. disco ball around her neck? That's <laughs> yeah. what girls do. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And give her some, some blue splashes across the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Done. Yeah, that's that's how. You, I mean, yeah, that has a real. What is that? Would that be? Yeah, Ace Fraley, yeah. Fraley stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that feels really completely lifted from him specifically. But yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. So do you have a first, do you have a song? Um. Yeah. I guess I would go with um MacArthur Park. So it uh, it starts really like moody and then gets into a, a disco feel. I feel like that's that's her. She's a little bit wistful, but then going for it, being her crazy cool disco self. Thank you. Mm-hmm. See, I'm torn between two songs right now, yeah. um, and I'm just going to say them both, which is clearly ABBA's Dancing Queen sure. just like speaks to me, but then it seems like such a miss to not just choose Katy Perry's Firework. Sure. Yeah. Like I mean, that's, she, a, that's on the nose. You've like, got to do that. You're, baby, yeah. I'm a firework. Yeah. She is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great choice. Those are great choices. <laughs> Thanks. Both of them. Uh, so I went with Ultimate Dazzler just to throw mm. a twist in things because mm. Ultimate Dazzler was a punk. Or mm-hmm. The band was Dazzler, and she was out. She was the lead singer, and she played bass. And so I chose the Distillers, Drain the Blood, uh, <laughs> which Brody from the Distillers and Dazzler in the Ultimate Comics. They look exactly the same. Brody was around first, I think. All I'm saying is that. Uh, and so it was. Uh, I went with that choice because I knew you guys would come up with some really fun, um, more specific disco-y type songs. So, oh, oh, so you were you were like getting out in in front of us? Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. I was going You're around. working around us. Yeah, a, a okay. different way. He was a man with a plan. Um, yeah. Well, then if we're going way off the rails, uh, genre-wise, uh, my next pick would be uh, a Kate Bush song. I am wearing a Kate Bush T-shirt. Um, Running up that hill. <sighs> so um, good. Yeah, I think it's a really cool, interesting, unique song. Um, as all of her songs are. It's hard to say that all of something is unique, but they are. Um, and that whole, just the the constant like frustration and difficulty, and um, but still persevering. I feel like that's very Dazzler. Yeah. Oh, and now powerful. she's a, she's really weird. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like Jem as a uh, superhero. Jem also. And especially for at that time, so it feels like it it really appealed appealed to me as a girl. And mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that specifically felt like it was trying to appeal to me. Um, the reason one of the reasons I read as many different comic books as I read was because I was looking for female characters that I could relate to, and I would like find one, and then there would be a new writer or a new artist, and I'd be like, oh, eh, not so much now. Yeah. Oh, they're in a bikini. Oh well. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, Kate Bush and Dazzler. They're great. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time. We, we have to do a couple other things while you're here. But maybe you come back another time and we talk about some other stuff because we had a whole uh, other half of a sheet of <laughs> sorry. questions yeah. and stuff to talk about. No, But we were so excited to yeah. just play with you. <laughs> okay. We wanted to okay. hang out. It was dope. Uh, where can fans uh, find your tour dates and all information about you? Um, and your show. Yeah. Um, my Well, uh, I've got a website, ElizaSkinner.com. I'm even more up to date on Twitter uh, where I'm at Eliza Skinner. And unfortunately, I'm on Instagram as at eSkins because I'm complicated. <laughs> and it just happened that way. But yeah, check me out. Yeah. Oh, and my podcast, Cool Playlist. Please listen to it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is super fun. Yeah. yeah. We did a playlist for um, Becoming a Superhero with Sashir Zameda. Amazing. Oh, I didn't even get to that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you can actually hear the music when you listen mm-hmm. to that one. Enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Liza. Sure. 
All right, big thanks to Eliza Skinner for being here and chatting with us and letting us have some fun with some music. I felt like when you suddenly realized that you've joined someone else's date and you're like, oh, no, they're on a date and I'm also here <laughs> because you guys were like, oh, my God, you love that. I love that. And I'm like, what is that? I should go. <laughs> Our question of the week. Oh, we need a question of the week. Yes. Question of the week. You know, we should talk about Iron Man 2020. Funny enough, we will be talking about Iron Man 2020 next week. So do you believe that artificial intelligence is equal to human emotion. Whoa. That's heavy. That that that's kind of the premise of Iron Man 2020 yeah. is AI capable of human existence. So what do you think, guys? Get at us. You can email your uh, answers to twinpodcast.marvel.com. You can use hashtag this week in Marvel on Twitter or Instagram. You can send a message to our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. Uh, We've got some stuff in here from our wonderful community and email from our friend Jason Kim. He says, Dear Ryan, Lorraine, and James, aloha from Hawaii. My favorite Marvel moment of 2019 was Captain America saying Avengers assemble in Endgame. Was that a good cadence? That was how he did it, right? Yeah, with a big pause in between. He had a little bit of pause. He's like, Avengers? (laughs) Don't mess us up. Don't mess us up. Assemble. (laughs) Uh, He says, I'm a longtime fanboy, and to finally hear that on the big screen was Awesome. Our next email is from Jiggy Cruz. He says, hi, Ryan, Lorraine, James M. Eigelhart, Triple P, and everyone at TWIM. For the Marvel moments of 2019, I probably am just a speck in the Marvel Universe, but growing up a Marvel zombie and consuming everything Marvel from comics to cartoons to games to toys, I just cried and cried during the portal scene from Avengers Endgame. I saw it 14 times in cinemas and I cried seven out of those 14 screenings. Really the greatest cinema experience of my entire life. I truly felt like the happiest Marvel fan at that moment. Tears emoji. Jiggy. We love you, Jiggy. Hell yeah. Uh, We have an email in here from our pal Simon Williams. He says, I wanted to share my favorite Marvel things from the last decade. Favorite comics. Black Panther, World of Wakanda, Ironheart, Moon Girl, and Devil Dinosaur, Miles Morales, Ms. Marvel, Champions, Power Man and Iron Fist, Captain Marvel, Immortal Hulk, Spider-Woman, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Thor, and Mighty Thor. It's a good list of comics right there. His favorite movies were Black Panther, Captain America, all of them, Avengers, all of them, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Logan. Logan is so good. I Oh man, that movie wrecked oof, me. Oof. Wrecked me. Yep. Favorite moments. The birth of Jerry Drew, daughter of Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. Oh, yeah. The birth of Miles Morales' little sister. It's a very recent one. I like that it's up there. Ms. Marvel organizing people to vote. I remember that. That was a great one. And favorite event comics. War of the Realms, Secret Wars, House of X, Powers of Ten. I like that three out of those four are from 2019. Strong, strong year. Yeah. Karis mm-hmm. Pollard at a Karis Pollard says this week of Marvel of the week definitely goes to Hawkeye Freefall. It's a delight with sassy Clint leaping out from every page, but not forgetting to show his heart and heroic parts too. Matt Rosenberg writes this kind of stuff perfectly and Otto Schmidt is perfect to show it. Yeah. That's a wrap. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Percy of Berlin and Zachary Goldberg. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton, and Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Tippy Toes Nuts. Yes, Tippy Toes Nuts, a great source of protein. Eat nuts, kick butts. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.